Welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. We are here up in Shirley, uh, the the best place you've never heard of. Shirley, you've heard of Shirley, Shirley, Wisconsin, with my uh, co-host, brother in crime, uh, Pastor Will Harley. Hello. And we are here talking about the central chapter, the central subject of the entire Torah, the five books of Moses, or the one book of Moses, depending on your uh, point of view, where everything in the first five books of the Bible, in the Torah, the one book of Moses, has a uh, has a symmetry to it. You've got Genesis, you've got Deuteronomy, and you work your way in the, the subjects that are talked about in those first five books. You work your way toward the middle, and in the middle is Leviticus chapter 16, the great day of atonement. That's our topic for today. And as we are doing and talking about uh, the Day of Atonement, we need a disclaimer. Our disclaimer is as follows. What we are talking about is just the ramblings of two pastors who think they know what they are talking about. We have studied this. We have preached on it. We have had an opportunity to share God's word with our people numerous times about this. And so uh, hopefully you will enjoy the conversation that we have. But... Some of the things we will say are our opinions, and if they offend you, we do apologize. It is not our intention. If what we say is not interesting to you or if it is offensive, you may go to any one of our podcasts and you may listen to them instead, or you may go and shut us off and then come back and listen at a different time uh, on a topic that might be less offensive to you. But that being said, everything we will say, uh, we hope to and and strive to have based on the scriptures themselves and according to the doctrines held and the beliefs held by our church bodies who have called us, as well as the synod when we are a part. Every year around September or October, you would have something on your calendar, which is uh, some weird words, three letters, Yom Kippur, on your calendar. And you're wondering, why does this? Why is this here? Is this in September? Why is it in October? Why does it keep moving? Well, Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. It used to be. When they had a temple. <laughs> when they had a temple, yeah. They that still... was taken away from them. <laughs> the Old Testament Jews who don't believe in Jesus as their Savior still celebrate this day. They have different traditions and different uh, um, things that they do on this day. However, they're still looking forward to the day that next year, next year in Jerusalem, next year we'll be able to celebrate this holy day. I celebrate day Yom Kippur. We celebrate <laughs> It's called Good Friday. Good Friday. <laughs> every year. Every year. <laughs> it's very Yamish. 
the Day of Atonement <laughs> is the one day that the Lord told God's people to fast, as you recall in the uh, uh, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee was one who fasted twice a week, but because he was better, he was be- <laughs> he claimed to be, and uh, the idea was the Lord. This is a, a day that God's people in the Old Testament were to remind themselves just exactly who they were, who they were in the in the face of an all holy God. Every day they're given these reminders, but this day especially so. Well, and and I think, you know, you mentioned fasting, and there is a part of fasting in there, but I think we need to say why fasting was there. Um, You know, this is not a diet plan. This is not a... This is not a look at me, I'm so much better than everyone else. But it was a time for them to cut out something that most people indulge in so that they could focus themselves on indulging in the promises of the Lord. Um, And should you do this every day? Yes, you should indulge in the promises of the Lord every day, at least once a week. Um, But for those that forget... It was a time for for them to come and say, at least now, hopefully, you can be reminded of of what God is doing for you and the promises that he has made for you and what he continues to offer to you as a people and as a nation. And so they they celebrated this day of atonement. So before we we get too far, we got to go back and we have to do some um, some, uh, reestablishment of confirmation terms. I think we need to explain what atonement means. <laughs> um, sometimes we have these words that are they crop up in the Bible, and we we really should explain them um, because they're good words to use, but they have fallen out of practice. So um, I usually like to say atonement um, has its definition inside the word at one mint. Um, and, and to give you a little fuller definition is God is making us at one with himself. So God is doing the heavy lifting to bring us to him. Um, and so this is the at one mint that, that is, is brought. Yeah. It, in intrinsic in that term is the fact that we're not at one with God. We're not born that way. The things that we do pull us away from him, but now he is going to do something. There's going to be a payment made that's going to make us at one. There's going to be something that he does and in this case, he's going to do it through the high priest. The high priest is going to be the one who is going to be uh, doing this on our place and in God's place, that intermediary um, aspect of the high priest, to make us at one with God. Well, and it, and it's not just uh, something that the high priest is going to engage in, but it's something that the high priest is going to set up, and then God is going to acknowledge as payment for. Um, and, I, and I think that is kind of an interesting... The reason why I say that is because of Barnabas and in Hebrews oh, no, talking no. about how Jesus is the high priest who set I, that up, and it's Paul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's an inside joke between Will and I. We, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but except for Paul, <laughs> but we like to make little jokes here and then. But, One of us will be right in the resurrection, and that will be me. The Lord will just wink at me and say, "We really know you were right, but we want to make him feel better." <laughs> He's older than you. He he really needs this for his ego. <laughs> but but the book of Hebrews does say, you know, Jesus is our high priest. And and really what we're going to see, and, and this is probably good for us to, to bring this up now because we're going to go through the Day of Atonement, and there's so many things that are going on in the Day of Atonement. And what the Lord does 
Um, when you have the Day of Atonement, he takes that Day of Atonement and he wraps it all up into the one person of Jesus. So Jesus not only becomes the high priest who is his, is offering the sacrifice, he becomes the sacrifice, he becomes the sacrament, he becomes the scapegoat, he becomes all of these things are wrapped up into Jesus. And you're like, how can one man do it all? He's God. I, I, that's how he can do it all, right? He he is he is the most equipped to do it because he is God, and God um, did it because nothing is impossible for him, and he did this for you. So when we talk about the Day of Atonement and we talk about all of these things, the thing that we should really be looking forward to, and the point and purpose of the Day of Atonement for the the people should have been looking forward to is God sending a Messiah to take to take this on to 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 do this permanently because you're doing this every single year to cover the sins of the people every single year, I am going to say the Lord's going to say from the mercy seat, um, I'm going to temporarily cover this, but I want you to be thinking ahead to when I will permanently cover this with my son, right? I'm going to permanently cover this with the promise of the, 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 um, the seed of the woman who will crush the serpent's head. I'm going to promise this with the the blessing that I promised to Abraham. I'm going to cover this with the the prophet who will come who is greater than Moses. I'm going to cover this with um, the king who is going to be coming from the line of David. Um, so every every generation they had this promise, and every year they had this reminder. We're looking for something better, and it's coming. Yeah, so let's go through the day. And this is a big day for the high priest. He's got to spend the week before um, being grilled by the elders of the of the community to make sure that he does everything right. But even before he begins the day, in case we think that it's all what the high priest does before God gives forgiveness, the priest has to start the day by being washed. <laughs> it's just, just like, here are all of these... You, um, you had mentioned this before in, in two past three, two or three podcasts ago, just the idea of entering into this relationship with God. God has to do the first thing. It has to be sacramental. God washes him, the high priest first, and then the high priest begins all of his duties, which are a lot. There's a lot of things that he does that day. He's got to really make sure he does everything exactly the way that God uh, prescribes. And it, a lot of attention on that day is on the high priest and what he does. Well, and and I think it brings back to 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 very clear, stark reality that that in the book of Leviticus we do have we have a holy people, but we have a difference between um, those who deal with holy things and those who are common and clean and 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 they're forgiven, they're they're but they're not called to the responsibility. And, and I think that is an important idea that carries on even into the church today, um, that that when we call our pastors into our churches, it's not because they're different from you. It's because God is calling us through the congregation into a higher responsibility, and, and they take care in that. Um, maybe it's something to say, you know, the, the, your, your pastor is in his office, and you keep driving by, and like, why is pastor still in his office? Maybe he should be out there hitting the streets. No, because there's a lot of care that must go into what we what we are able to present to the people uh, on behalf of the people as as we deal with the holy things that God has set aside. And so um, there is, and if you think about it, every Sunday is a mini Easter 
every Sunday is a mini day of atonement. And there's a lot of prep <laughs> um, to deal with these holy things that, that, that the congregation, um, as God has given them the ability, has called us to the responsibility to do. And so you have that in the high priest, right? Um, this was his job. Yeah, and this day is a day where he is not ornated or ornated, not uh, wearing all of the high priestly garb that he has been given and prescribed to by God to wear. He is just wearing the simple linen that he has uh, been given. He uh, begins the day, like I said, being washed. So so is that linen? And I please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but this is supposed to be the 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 high priest's under that that undergarment that he um, was that also made without seams because I, I for whatever I reason I, I for whatever reason for I don't know why I have it stuck in my head I thought I remember reading somewhere that that connection between um, the seamless robe that they they stripped Jesus of. Um, before his crucifixion, and then they cast lots for, had that connection to the garment of the high priest um, for the Day of Atonement. Um, not not that it matters, but that idea of of the simplicity of the robe, right? You're not coming before the Lord in your pomp and circumstance, in your look at me, but you come humble as you are. Yes. And so he begins the day uh, picking out the bull for his own sin and the ram for his burnt offering and two goats. He's got to pick out uh, two goats that are without blemish, a ram without blemish, and a bull without blemish. The bull is for his own sin. The ram is for his own sin. The goat is for the own sin of the high priest. And the other goat is for the, the I'm sorry, the first goat is for the sins of the people. The second goat is the the Azazel. Azazel? Azazel. Azazel. Tell us about Azazel. <laughs> Well, because <laughs> so Azazel is is what we call the scapegoat, um, and so this is a this this goat um, would be kind of traipsed through town, and everyone would place their hand on this goat, and all of their sins would be transmitted to this goat, and then how it would work is that um, you had those two goats, one would be for the sacrament of the forgiveness of sins, and and would there be before the people this scapegoat would be uh, carrying the sins of the people into the wilderness with the intent that it now dies. <laughs> um, and, and I just, I was, I was reading this a little bit before our show and I would like to share it with you um, just a commentary. And, and I'm, I'm taking this one from the Lutheran study Bible um, that was put out by Concordia publishing house. Um, awesome, awesome notes on, on some of these things. But one of the, the things that talks about Azazel uh, is uh, commonly translated as a departing goat or the scapegoat. It then says, in modern Hebrew, the words lech la azazel uh, correspond to our English term of go to hell, which is exactly what the Israelite community wanted to happen to their sins. How awesome is that? Um, that, that you know, you have this idea of, of my sins are going to be as far away from me as humanly possible. Um, they're as far away from me as the east is from the west, and I'm not going to think about them anymore because who cares? It's a goat. Send it away. Um, and that's the purpose, right? The, the, the Lord is focusing on what is it that Jesus is going to do? Take our sins as far as from the east as from the west. He's going to bury them in the tomb forever, and, and we will be raised to new life um, in, in our Savior Jesus, um, our sins are gone. You go to Pilgrim's Progress, uh, that, that beautiful illustration of of Pilgrim um, going upright to 
to stand before the cross and his weight rolls from his back and, and goes into the tomb never to be seen again. Um, that's that. That's Azazel. So the high priest picks out uh, the the two goats and the bull and the ram, and they are killed. They're killed in a very humane way. Their their throats are slit so that the blood uh, instantly is poured out on them. Well, it takes a while to, for the blood to pour out. Uh, he makes sure that he, um, with the two goats, when he's trying to pick out which one is the Azazel goat and which one is the one that's going to be sacrificed, he takes a scarlet cord and uh, ties it around the goat signifying which one is which uh, there's a special seal that he puts on the goat that becomes the scapegoat so all of these things lots of imagery that we hear every lent you know you, though your sins be like scarlet they will be white as snow all of these pictures of the old testament are right there in the day of atonement that god's people may not they can appreciate the, the imagery all by itself but now you see this is something that god's people saw every year on this uh holy day so he slaughters the bull slaughters the ram and then comes um, the high priest, his first entrance into the most holy place. In On the Day of Atonement is the only day that the high priest enters into the most holy place. And first, he has to go in. Uh, this is a very tricky procedure that he takes, is the taking the incense into uh, the most holy place. So he starts by going to the uh, the altar on the outside of the temple. Uh, that, that's the altar, right? The, the fire that's being, the altar... The altar is in the holy place. That's the altar of incense, but the altar outside where they do the sacrifices for sin, that's where he gets the coals from right. for the incense. Then right. he has another container with the incense in it. So he's got the coal in one hand and the incense in the other, and he goes inside of the most holy place for the first time. He has to set down the coals with his, uh, that's on a, like this golden spoon type thing. He sets the, the coals down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. That's the thing that holds the Ten Commandments and and the, the manna and so on. And also contains the mercy seat. Right. Which is above the, the Ark, um, sh- uh, surrounded by the angels. Sure. Then uh, the he, he sets down the coal, and then he has to, with that other container that has the incense, he has to make sure he gets all of the contents of that container in his two hands, and if any of that, according, this is, I think, according to, to Hebrew tradition, is if any of the grain of that incense falls to the ground, the high priest would be struck dead, and uh, and they would, um, th- which led to the the tradition of having a rope tied to the high priest so that they could pull him out if he's in there for too long. So anyway, so he takes the incense and he puts it over the coals. And you have the incense, the smoke filling the most holy place. So the imagery is is phenomenal. You have the the altar where all of these sins, sacrifices for sins, have been burnt the whole year. From that place, that is fueling this incense uh, that is going up to God. Incense, of course, is a is a picture for uh, uh, our prayers to God. He does this. It fills the room. Then he takes. Uh, then if he's still alive. <laughs> he, he goes outside and he does a prayer and of course tradition says that he does a prayer well, as he's standing in the holy place facing the most holy place he does a prayer there and tradition says that's very short because if he waits too long they're going to yank him with the rope and, and pull him out of there anything else you want to say about the incense not about the incense i, I want to get to the good part 
<laughs> you don't like people dying and being yanked out of the high priest. That's not the good part. Eh? Well, no, actually, the good part is is what he does with the blood. Okay, very good. Yeah, I, I like that part too. Yeah, and 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 just to say, you know, I I think sometimes you know, and we can take this this illustration way too far in in churches, um, <clears throat> but I I have known, I have known before that churches have said. Uh, well, this is why we have to have real candles on the altar because it's the incense and the the smoke going up to the Lord to, to show our prayers. No, that's not a thing. Um, although it's it, it yes, I understand the imagery behind it. Um, um, but but what we have here in this this particular instance is is something truly beautiful. Um, that covers up something truly horrendous, which is. Um, you have the reality of a lot of death for the sins of people. Um, and, and what the Lord says is, is not even going to cover you permanently, but, but I'm going to accept this as, as letting you go for another year until the savior comes. Um, and so I think we don't understand the, 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 the nature of the smell, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and so you have this incense that that goes up um and and so that that i mean this is this is there's a lot going on and and a lot of imagery and a lot of i mean i went up um side story has nothing maybe to do about anything i went to uh mall of america um long long time ago and i couldn't make it past like the third floor because someone in their infinite wisdom decided in the mall of america the best thing that you could do was put all the food courts on the second level and when you get to the third level, all of those scents, they just like they just attack you, and and it really makes you want to throw up, because it's not just the good restaurants; it's the bad ones too. That <laughs> you smell everything. Um, can you imagine? I mean, you have you have steaks burning, <laughs> you've got the fat burning uh, from these uh, offerings. You've got the live coals, you've got the blood, you've got the, the, probably the flies, you've got all this stuff going on. And then you have this incense <laughs> and, and, uh, um, there is just a lot of smells that really bring home the reality of what's going on. So the priest takes the blood, this nice smelly blood from the bull, first of all. So this is his second trip inside the Holy of Holies. He takes that blood and he sprinkles it on the altar and it's a reminder to me as he sprinkles it in front of the altar and on front of the the mercy seat the the area above the ark of the covenant and and in front of it just a reminder of these are just symbolism this does this actually do the thing that god is promising yes only because of god's promise only because of he god makes that promise in view of the savior that's coming so he sprinkles the blood for the of the bull on the altar then he goes out. Then he comes back in with the blood from one of the goats, the non-scapegoat goat, and he sprinkles that on the, the Holy of Holies. And he keeps both of those blood containers separate. So that constant reminder that if he, as he is acting on behalf of God's people, he himself is not worthy. He needs to be cleansed of his sin in order to be doing what he is doing. He gets he, he finished both of that the sprinkling there, and that's really the end of his service inside of the holy of holies he gets out there's a curtain there that the curtain that christians remember that's the one that's torn in two on good friday and he smears the blood from the bull and the blood from the goat on that on on that curtain so it's so every 
every year and every day as the brother, the other high, other priests are inside the Holy of Holies, I'm inside the holy place, they're going to see that blood smeared on that curtain from every um, day of atonement for, for years and years and years. So all that reminder always is there that blood needs to be spilt. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. Then he... Then he mixes both of the bloods up, and then he smears that on the altar of incense, which is in the holy place, um, on the corners of that altar or the horns of that altar. Yeah, and, and you know you get this imagery that that's that's part of this with um, the mercy seat and and the blood marking this. You know, can you imagine? I, I just kind of think of this. Can you imagine over the years how? much blood is being built up on this mercy seat. Um, how many times, you know, you've been here and you've done this and it's over and over. I mean, almost to the point where we're, when you read it in Hebrews and Paul writes in, in the book of Hebrews, um, <laughs> about I all know of Barnabas had Paul as a scribe. <laughs> when, 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 when we hear in the book of Hebrews that this is written um, and they said, you know, who they had to make a sacrifice for themselves over and over and over again. There was this visual of this beautiful uh, ark that had been built in worship of the Lord. And, and it is just stained red and crimson. And, and at that point, because of the iron, you know, it, it looks rusty and it looks, and you're like, how is this, how is this any, in any way, shape or form holy? And yet God makes it holy. And God says, I'm, I'm going to do this for my people. In fact, I'm going to do it so much that, that, um, I'm going to send my son to be the ultimate. Um, that is an amazing thing. Um, that, that even though your sins are as red, he will make them as white as snow. Um, as he covers you with the blood of his son. Right? Um, that is, that's kind of neat um, that you see this in the Day of Atonement. Yeah, and one of the things you failed to mention is the amount of time he changes his clothes. <laughs> it's like every time he goes out to, to do something for the people and goes out, he has to stop, change his clothes, wash again, <laughs> come back, wash, change his clothes, and, and, and you know... Um, there's just a there's a, a lot of ceremony we might say, um, but it's ceremony for the purpose of 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 giving the imagery, right? No one stands before the Lord as as something. Everyone stands before the Lord as nothing. And yet, when when the Lord calls His people and we stand before His people, we can be something, um, and we see that. Yes. The final uh, event of the day is the sending away of the scapegoat. Away with you. Away with you. Yeah. Azazel. Yeah. And um, uh, tradition tells us that um, in the temple, when they built the temple in Jerusalem, they would the high priest had other duties to perform, and so one of the other Levites would carry this or make sure this goat that had the scarlet uh, cord around its neck would make it to the outside of the city and actually push that goat over the cliff, that there were these little booths along the way because of the guy, 10 booths along the way as he's going to throw them away because, remember, on the Day of Atonement, you're not supposed to eat. So perhaps this guy couldn't make it all the way out there to make sure that the goat gets pushed off the cliff. So they have these these booths there with food and water for that individual 
so that he could eat it in case he needed to. Now, tradition tells us that they never needed that, but it was just nice to have that reminder. In case you can't make it, here, have some food so that you uh, can perform this task that's so necessary to be done for the scapegoat to be sent to Azazel, sent away, um, and that. So I like that. I, the, the, the 10 boosts is an encouragement to me and just the idea of how how little these things actually do the thing that, I mean, if you would think of that it has to do with your obedience, that it gets to gets the the gift that God has promised of forgiveness of sins, there's all these little reminders that you can't do it on your own. You are The thing that you are doing isn't the thing that actually removes your sin. It is just a picture of what Jesus would do to take your sins away. Well, and, and not just the picture. I think we should call it what it is. And and this is this is the part of, of Leviticus that is so beautiful is, is you see these these you look at them and you call them rites. You can call them um, practices or whatever, but they become sacramental not because we do them, but because God works in them and in, in His promise. Um, and 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 one of the things we got to get out of our head as a as a people is that we bring anything to God. That 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 for some unknown reason, because it's a goat, or because we released a goat, or because we we killed a bull, that all of a sudden we made God so happy that He's going to now do. It, it, he can create another bull. He, I mean, this with with His Word, He created the very fabric of creation and and the fabric of the world and time itself. Is there anything that you think you can bring to the table that He cannot already do better, and that He needs you for anything? And yet he gives us these things and he makes them so, I'm not going to say laborious, but so intricate to, to have us realize this is different than anything else you could ever come up with. Anything you could ever come up with doesn't compare to what he has in store for you. And then he says, I'm going to work in those things. And then, and then in the New Testament, he takes his son and he leads him out just like he did the scapegoat and he throws him over the cliff. Uh, we call it Golgotha. He doesn't really throw him. He just brings him up um, and puts him on a cross um, and he sacrifices him. Um, and you see this beauty. And then, and then through that, you hear the Lord isn't done with these simple, silly things that he decides to work through. <laughs> Right, um, you, you know, because of, because we think it is foolish that words would do anything. He sends preachers to change hearts through his word, um, because we think it's foolish that bread and wine can do anything. He places himself in bread and wine and says, "I'm here." That's promise. Uh, because we think it's foolish that there's so much water around the earth. What's water going to ever do to you? Um, and he places his promise in it and says, "I'm going to do these things for you." Um, and just like the people in the Old Testament, just like we have the the, the church in the New Testament, um, God uses these simple things, and he reminds us, it's not what you do, it is what I am doing for you. Um, and he does it so beautifully. And it works. I, I have often wondered, though, and we don't have any any indication necessarily of this, how many people, how many high priests died in 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 this service i don't remember the numbers i just remember that before the the babylonians the number of high priests was a smaller number than after they rebuilt the temple they went through something like 300 high priests from at, in the 400 years or something like that that they re, no uh, 
doesn't quite right. I'm not sure what the numbers are, but just the idea of the, the number of high priests that they went through. Was that from retirement, though, or from death? Again. <laughs> you, this you is too to much cr- pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, we're we're uh, going into areas where it's, well, well, and, it's and, not really the point. Well, and, and but I think it is something to say that that you know um, the Day of Atonement, although practiced uh, from from here from the Book of Leviticus pretty much on, um, ends when the Babylonian Empire comes in and takes over Jerusalem. They they don't have a Day of Atonement. In fact, if you look at the if you look at the the way the Scripture is set up, the 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 thing that is reclaimed, the thing is that is reclaimed is the Passover. The Passover becomes the ultimate celebration because they cannot have the Day of Atonement because the Ark is gone, the Ark is lost, and right. and and so from when they come back from Babylon, they have a Holy of Holies, they have the curtain, nothing's there, and they can't give the Day of Atonement, and so the Passover becomes this. That's why when when we see Jesus and 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 we 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 fast forwarding we see Jesus and he uh, on the night that he was betrayed took bread. This is the celebration of the Passover. I'm like, oh, this is Passover, Passover, Passover. Well, there's two things that that come into mind. First of all, is the Passover is before the giving of the law. This is grace, 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 and grace. But but secondly, this is this is God combining these two concepts and He's shoving them together. And and he's creating himself his own altar, and then and ripping open the spot that we once thought was sacred and is empty. Um, and so we we see these things happening. Um, but but for the Israelite people, this after they come back from Babylon, that's a horrible thing. They can't do what they did. It would I, I suppose it would make Good Friday even that much more um, stark of a thing that would happen because the, the curtain is torn open and they realize the ark is supposed to be there, but it isn't there. Because so, you hung them on a tree. <laughs> right. But just the idea of uh, the, the stark reality of, Oh no, not only have we lost the ark, but now we've also, now the, the curtain that we right. we put up is now ripped into where in God looking. And I think for, for us, sometimes we oversimplify the events of good Friday. We, we don't, the details of where did the ark go? Of course, that's a that's a mystery. Where did the ark go? Um, it's not there when the Babylonians come and, and destroy the temple. Where did it go? All kinds of theories, but on it's not there, so they can't celebrate the the. the and Day I think of that's Atonement. the point. The, the 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 point that we have is as you see the progression of what God's people do, um, and we have minor prophets who talk about this all the time. They started treating these practices as I am doing this to make God happy, and they became sacrificial instead of sacramental. That these are God's way of reaching into to make us His people and establish and reestablish us as His people for His purpose. And instead of that, we they they started changing this whole outlook, and and everything became I I do this to make God happy, and and they even say it when the when the fall of Jerusalem comes, or like we did everything you asked of us, we've been practicing all this stuff, and the Lord's like you missed the point. <laughs> the, the the point wasn't that you did all this stuff. The point was that you recognized I am giving you all of this through these means. Um, it's the same idea. I would think you know, um, um, we could we can miss the point of coming for communion. And say, well, I'm doing this because God had, because God asked me. No, we get to participate in this because God has promised to work for us in this, and 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 we can miss the point. 
And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, we can miss the point on worship in general. We say, well, worship is something that uh, I have to do or that what is expected of me to be a, a Christian or a member of this particular organization. And we forget this is what God does for us in worship, uh, forgiving us of our sins and strengthening us in, this, in our faith through the, me- the means of grace that he has given. Yeah, and, and when we forget that, when and, and so easily we can, um, we shouldn't be surprised when God strips some of it away. Right, um, and 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 realizes there's so many things we didn't need for him to still work and for him to still be a present, and and I think they they and we're jumping ahead. I know in history, but but when you look at these these things, you know, it's a very limited time that the high priest functioned in this way, considerably in the time that that God's people were around. I mean, we have we have um, um, all the way up until the captivity, um, where where this is done, and that's a that's not a long time. Um, when did, when did, uh, Jerusalem fall? 586? They're around. Um, Abraham is, uh, I should say, uh, David is 1000 BC. So you have like a 500 year time frame, um, before that. Um, Moses was 500. Is that about right? No, a little bit after, uh, um, BC. 500 BC? 5,000. 5,000 BC? Yeah. No, that's not right. Because 1,000 BC is David, and it goes in sections of five. So it would be 1,000, 1,500. There you go. There we go. Now I'm I'm remembering because it's 2,000 for Abraham. So 1,500 BC around for for Moses. So maybe 1,000 years of time? where they're they're enjoying this sacrament that's given to them. But then you have a long stretch of time where they lose it. You know, you have 400 years in the interim after the, the, the scriptures close before the New Testament era. Um, so you might have another thousand years where they don't have anything and they're looking for it. They want it. They need it. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is kind of a, an important part of their worship. Because this is God reaching through time and space to give to them this forgiveness and assurance. I don't know. I think we should close this topic talking about where, just how Jesus fulfills everything that we talked about on the Day of Atonement. I mean, it starts off with the high priest. Jesus is our high priest, as the writer to the Hebrews says. He is the one who intercedes for us, who who makes the sacrifice that is needed to take care of our sins. Jesus is, uh, the his life is the blood that was shed and that covers over our sin. We think of through his blood, through his life, uh, our sins are, are clean. We're white as snow now, as we mentioned more than once. Uh, he is the, go ahead. Don't, don't forget, he's also, um, as Paul will say to the Corinthians, he becomes sin. So this is that Azazel connection, right? Yeah, I hadn't gotten to the scapegoat Sorry, yet. I, so, I, I, I apologize. That's fine. You, we can go to the scapegoat. That's that's okay. Uh, he is the the one that is outside the camp. The writer of the Hebrews talks about that. Let's go outside the camp. Why was Jesus crucified outside of Jerusalem and not inside of Jerusalem? Because it's all fulfillment of what God had put in place with the Day of Atonement. Uh, he is the that scapegoat. Uh, he is the sacrifice. He is the reason that we are pleasing before him that, before God, why our sins are forgiven. 
and, and and going back to the idea of what the the Hebrew people when they they they, they referred to as Azel, that was that term that that became like we said the English term of go to hell. What did Jesus do? He suffered hell, right? He suffered hell. Sorry, I'm just. I'm jumping all uh, don't over. Don't be sorry for that. I'm jumping all over. Don't be sorry for talking about <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, and so uh, the Day of Atonement, it, our equivalent, as you mentioned in the introduction for today, our equivalent really is it's Good Friday where we remember uh, the death of Jesus, except it, it just isn't quite the same because we are looking back at something that has accomplished. They're looking ahead and saying somehow God is going to, going to, accomplished all these things. We have a much more fuller understanding of this yearly ritual. Um, and in a certain sense, it isn't quite as somber as we, yes, we, we take, maybe we, we strip the altar down. Maybe we've got black everywhere, but is it really as somber? Does it have to be as somber as uh, we have to, as if this is something we have to do it in order to make Friday a, a good one. It, it, good Friday is good because Christ we are remembering what Christ has done for us. That's not good because we're we're sad or we're wearing sackcloth or we're we're somber and sad and all of that stuff. I, I think there is a sense though of of recognizing, just like the people recognize that that I need this, um, and and that's the sad part. I need this. Um, the good part is God fulfills it and gives me what I need. But 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 I mean, there is a level of sadness in recognizing and taking the time in the in the journey of Lent and, and coming to a Good Friday, where we we recognize I am in need, and um, in the waters of my baptism, I am put to death there, just as Jesus is. I certainly would agree. I just don't want to dwell on that like, as if that's all what Good Friday is about. Right. And it, if I might share my own personal opinion, one of the things I don't like about Good Friday, our Good Friday practices, is the fact that we don't talk to each other afterwards. Like uh, we, we we leave the worship in a somber way. It's like, is that we just, if you have the strepitus and you, you slam the book, that's a, a moment of, in my mind, in my opinion, that's a moment of joy because the, the tomb is being empty. Is, is opening um in the, in the same way like ash wednesday when you celebrate the ashes and in my opinion when i put the ashes even on my, like my own children that's very sad because you're realizing these kids are going to turn to dust someday these especially like if they're when, lucky right if they're, <laughs> well if they're lucky they'll miss it all together but uh these kids are going to turn into dust someday and uh, that's a very somber thought. But then at the end of the worship service, you're thinking about, um, uh, we always sing, uh, Savior, when in dust to you, where, it, yeah, it it starts off the hymn, it's very sad and somber. But toward the end of the, the, the hymn, we're excited because of what Jesus promises in his word. So the same way with Good Friday, my own personal opinion, it's, yes, I know we're somber at the and if, if people want to be somber at the end of that, I I don't hold any ill will toward them. It's just, to me, it just, it's not good for, it, it, it's bringing something sacrificial to something that is sacramental. And and I would agree with you right there. I think you said it right, that, that it's, we are now saying, I am doing this to myself to offer something to God that is, that is almost like, um, uh, artificial. It, it's, 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 it's artificial. Um, now I'm not saying, and, and I've often struggled with that when it comes to Lent, some of the Lent practices like the farewell to Alleluia. 
Um, I am not living in a state of unrepentant sin. Um, I can say hallelujah all I want. Um, and, but, but I, I know I followed those practices and I've done that because that's kind of where our church body all goes. But I've often questioned, why are we going there? You know, every Sunday in the, in Lent is supposed to be a reminder of, uh, here, take a breath. <laughs> Easter is, is right around, take a breath. Um, but yet we get rid of the hallelujahs of, of why we should be celebrating because it's all been done. Um, I like the practice of, I don't know of many churches who do it, but I like the practice of um, Easter Vigil on Saturday and the whispers of Alleluia. Have ever have ever done that um, in in any of your churches, or you had an Easter vil, uh, Vigil and the whispers of Alleluia? I don't think I've ever done the whispers of Alleluia. We've had Easter Vigils before, but just I I, I think. I like what you're what you're saying. Just this idea of we we both of us have mixed feelings about prescribing fasting right. of some sort or another. Yes, we do fast, and, and it is fasting is a good thing. Um, but prescribing that to somebody else or prescribing it to you when you're when you're not in that same frame of mind, that's where the the mixed feelings come in. Because you say, well, yes, it's it's good for me to deprive myself of something. Whether that be the hallelujahs, whether it be food, whether it be for uh, a purpose, uh, for yeah, for a purpose or you know, fellowship after Good Friday service whatsoever. But just there's always that those mixed feelings of well, I have Christian freedom and I have a reality that's there that Christ is for me that the worship service that are that I'm undergoing, whether that be Ash Wednesday services or Good Friday services, Sunday services, midweek services, those things are for me to strengthen me in my faith and what and in the realization of what Jesus has done for me. Yeah. And, 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 and I think and when I first started ministry and, and even when I was really young, um, I just felt so awkward laughing in the, in the, in the narthex of the church after, after a good Friday service. Um, it just, and everyone sort of gave you that look like, how dare you? Um, but I, I, I've, I've soon gotten over that and realized, you know what? Yes, this is a, this is a time where we look at our Lord and we're like, man, um, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have had to do that. But we're not in a perfect world, and you did have to do that, and you did do that, and I'm thankful for it. And you know what? I'm okay to laugh at it. I, I'm okay to chuckle. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, this is a good day. Um, and it's even better because we're going to be reminded of the resurrection, the victory won. Um, you know, this is this is good stuff for us. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, there's a time as, as, uh, Paul will do with the Corinthians. I wanted to know nothing among you other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, there is a time for that. And then there's a time like he shared with the Galatians and a time when he shared with the Ephesians where you once were these things, but now you are alive as he, as he highlights the resurrection, right? You are alive in the Lord. Um, and I think there is, there's a time for that too. Um, but if we are making a mandate, and saying, you have to express this, I, I think we've missed the point. Because if you come to church on Good Friday and you are smiles and you say, have a happy Good Friday, that's okay. You'll get no argument from Will Harley. You'll get absolutely no argument from me. Um, but if you come and say, this is a day that I'm remembering my need for the Savior and I'm going to be somber about it, I'm not going to have a problem. I, I won't. Um so that that's well, I still follow the traditions of the church and probably not sing Alleluia during the season of Lent. 
Probably. Be- just because. But will I will I still sing the Gloria? Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> the Gloria will still be there. Because <laughs> Jesus is still, I mean, that's the that's the whole point, is that what, what God is doing for us, Jesus, in the Word and Sacrament for God's people, that's the point of our worship services during the season of Lent uh, on the Day of Atonement. This is God's promise of a Messiah who's going to do all of these things for God's people, that he was, this Messiah was going to be the one that would make them at one with God, that uh, he would pay the price, his own blood, the most precious thing in the universe, the blood of the God-man for all of mankind, humankind, uh, for us on this wonderful day of atonement, remembered every year, and for us, remembered every day. Until then, dear friends, live free in Christ. Mm-hmm.